positive feedback loop. Welcome to Positive Feedback Loop. This is Stephanie, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Luis and Ray. Hello. Hey, guys. So today we were talking before we started this episode about summer, which is the topic today. Really exciting because summer is coming very soon. And we were thinking about how everyone pours onto the beaches once summer has started, really after Memorial Day. And they seek out the sun. And the sun is kind of a risky object to seek out because we're dealing with UV rays and possible sunburns. And so the topic that we'll start off with is summer is risky. (laughs) So what do you guys think? Is summer a time we introduce more risks into our lives? I mean, with, you know, many cons, there's pros, right? And the same you can argue for other seasons. Um, but for summer particularly, yes, there is that risk where you can expose yourself too much to UV light. In many studies, it also shows that having exposure to the sun is also very beneficial. You can uh, allow your body to absorb more, more vitamin D. Uh, it also you know, makes your skin tougher initially, but I think it's the balance of how much you get that's really important. And the truth is, No one's really come up with a good solution to figure out what's the right balance. So, yeah, there's still risk involved. Although I love the sun and summer. (laughs) I would say that summer is no more risky than any other season, at least not inherently. I mean, I don't know for sure. But, yeah, in the summer, if you are doing things that are active, then, you, of course, you're going to be in more risk. Obviously, there are bad things like heat waves and things like that that take that are bad for older populations and children. But in general, it's all about what you're doing in the summer. Same way the winter could be risky because you can freeze to death, right? Accidents or you can yeah. slip if you're you know, walking on the street and lots of ice and snow. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it depends on what you're doing. If you are being more active in the summer, then you are inherently taking on more risks. But also take into account, you're not sitting at a desk all day if that's what you're doing, which is healthier, to not be sitting at a desk all day because that's really bad for you in the long term. So it's a short, short-term, short long-term risk thing. And also, it's good to have a break. It's good for your mind. There are Winter Olympics. There are Summer Olympics. There are sports for any season. So it's not like we're necessarily doing more sports in uh, one season or another. And you're right. You know, sitting in an office, you can incur carpal tunnel <laughs> or just mental issues from working too hard and not taking a break. So there is something about summer that's very rejuvenating and healing and take into account that the idea of the vacation is has not always been around the idea that you can just up and leave for x on a time and come back and go back to work and it's totally fine isn't hasn't always existed there are people who just work year-round and that's fine that's what they do they don't expect a vacation because they can't or they couldn't throughout history This is probably more applicable to entrepreneurs now versus people who work at large corporations that have really nice paid time off, PTO. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're running your own business, you can't really leave it. For people working at these corporations, you know, they don't get like a significant amount of time off, maybe two weeks or so, even three weeks. And even then there's studies that show that people who do, let's say, get four weeks of vacation allowed 
per year, they end up using less of it because of the demands of the job and like the expectation that you should be working. So it's not to say that I don't think all employees that have these paid time off use them all because of the culture that's been built, at least in the United States, where people expect you to work or be online all the time. I was referring more in the sense of there are people whose jobs, because of the nature of their work, historically did not take vacations, yeah, as that. you would call them. Like if you're a farmer, you're a farmer year round, right? You have to keep your animals alive. You can't just not feed them for a week because they will die. And if you didn't have the means to hire someone else to do it, you were just a farmer year round. And that was it. Like, there wasn't anything else you could do. You weren't going off to travel exotic lands because probably you'd die along the way. But also, it just wasn't a thing you could manage. Yeah, your so break was every evening when you went to sleep. That was your break, and that yeah, was I mean, and well received. There were holidays and things like that, and maybe you didn't have to do work for the state or whatever else you might have as responsibilities, but you were still Unbreak. doing at least the basics of keeping your farm running. So, it's... Right, the introduction of having the seventh day be the day of rest or, or whatever uh many religions have you know one day where you're supposed to be taking a break from your work so uh, it started off as one day we turned it into a weekend you know and now you have things like the three-day work week and stuff so it's an ever-changing dynamic system well, I think that um, the summer is only a break for some people day. so for example um like students yeah really students Students take a break. And teachers. Um, at, in the, you know, academia in general, you have a cycle of taking time off in the summer to work. Uh, students are in school and then they get an internship or some sort of job. And then the inverse may be true for others. I have a family member who uh, was a snowboard instructor. So winter was the time to really work hard at that. But obviously, there's no snowboarding <laughs> in the summer, uh, unless yeah. you're snowboarding in the southern hemisphere. <clears throat> there's a lot of jobs that are seasonal as well. Yeah, uh, snowboarding. I mean, any of the summer or winter sports generally have some sorts of jobs that are seasonal revolving around them. And those are also really dangerous things. Generally, all these sports that are tied to a season tend to be super dangerous when you think about it. Think about skiing and snowboarding pretty damn dangerous a lot of people get hurt you know you're falling off a mountain at high speeds similarly anything involving any like of the summer activities generally involve something like jet skiing you're in a high powered machine flying across the water <laughs> just the waves of the ocean like you know the ocean can be very yeah dangerous, so. yeah it's it can be dangerous but Thankfully, when you're at the beach, generally speaking, the beach is relatively safe. You're, that's not really a place you expect to get attacked. And <laughs> Shark Week scares people every year, but honestly, shark attacks are so minor. And the sharks are the more in danger. We're the danger to the sharks, not the other way around. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned that because my cousin is a surfer. And where he lives, there's actually been a few shark attacks. It's like mm -hmm. really bad this year. This summer is just the waters are more shark infested for some reason and so he actually painted his surfboard the bottom side of his surfboard striped black and white because apparently sharks see that and think that they are sea snakes and sharks don't like them i guess they're poisonous venomous of some sort of snake mm. 
And That's so, and if you have just your plain surfboard and it's white, it actually appears, so sharks see in grayscale. So it looks like a seal to them, especially mm-hmm. when your arms are like hanging off the sides. Yes. And so the sharks will bite right into the board thinking that they're attacking some sort of a seal when really it's a surfboard. So paint, like painting it that stripe kind of. So it's interesting how we've found ways to mitigate the risks we've, we incur upon ourselves. We find ways to hack the system so that we can keep doing the dangerous sports we want to involve ourselves in. Yeah. And actually, that reminds me a little bit of uh, some of the other things that we do to mitigate some of the problems of the summer. For example, jellyfish. Jellyfish are something that is notorious for being a pest during summers in or man of wars as uh, there's another type that people can run into. People go into the beaches, they get stung by jellyfish or man of wars, which have small poisonous barbs and that can be a pain. And they say, oh, you need to pee on the wound. But research shows that it's not the appropriate thing to do, and it actually makes it worse. So I found an article that talks about some of the things that people commonly do, and it can vary a lot. You know, it talks about people scraping the wound, applying pressure to cause, which causes the stingers to release more venom. You know, the urinating, using a credit card to scrape the tentacles off, that sort of thing. None of that really works. They say that what you should do is douse the area with vinegar. So you can rinse away the tentacles and deactivate the cells, um, and that way you won't spread the sting. Then pluck off the tentacles with tweezers, and then apply heat. That's apparently what their their the advice is from experts on what to do if you ever stung by jellyfish. So if yeah, you go if you out there, have, if you're on the beach, you don't have vinegar, but isn't uh, your urine somewhat acidic, and that's the that's the logic behind it. No, uh, apparently that the pee will act as a neutral solution that just moves the tentacles around. So you're not getting rid of it. You're just spreading it, really. So I guess it's not acidic pretty, enough. Acidic Maybe that's enough. it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And it may actually be make it worse, especially if you're dehydrated. So you probably, it might actually even cause the stinger to get worse. So That sounds horrible. On, <laughs> yeah. Unless you're doing it. In the privacy of your own home, and for fun, don't pee on people. <laughs> Luis, I Good feel advice. like we should make Louis. like some flag for you with a jellyfish on it, and that should be your mascot. It will be. This will exist one day. <laughs> you hear piffles? Yep. One day. We need to maybe like superimpose a jellyfish on you instead of other animals. Instead of a T-Rex head? Yeah. I don't know, T Rex heads. Uh, I don't. I, what, what would be the, the jellyfish face that you would put on there? I don't know. It would just be a Do full jellyfish. Do jellyfish have faces? It would look like the, the Pokemon Ditto. It would just be like a nothing. With a smiling exactly. Face. It would just be a blob on my head. With a, with a smiling face. So, guys, what's your favorite season? Is it summer? Because for me, it is. I love all the seasons. Very oh, come much. on. Steph. I really do. That is. Like not an acceptable answer. It, it's probably because I heard of this fable when I was young, where there's this woman who's really poor, and she works for this this woman who's very wealthy and and mean to her and abuses her. And anyway, so the poor woman goes out into the wilderness to find some food for her children or something, and she comes upon this like magical witch or mystical woman 
who says... Sounds like Cinderella. (laughs) Kind of, well, I mean, I guess all these fables are similar. And anyway, so this, this mystical witch woman says, you know, what season do you love? And and she says, what do you think about summer? And she goes, oh, well, I love summer because the sun is out. It's beautiful. You know, and she says, what do you love about spring? Oh, I love all the new animals. And what do you love about fall? I love the beautiful colors of the leaves. What do you love about winter? All oh, the beautiful snowflakes in the season. You know, and she's just so positive. And so she gives basically this poor woman, like, an entire fortune. And she goes home and she's, like, totally happy and can never has to work again or whatever. So the rich woman finds out this, I don't even know if it's a rich woman. It's like a greedy woman who's really mean. And so she finds out that the poor woman got all this money. And she's like, where did you go to get all this? And she goes, oh, I went down to this mystical woman in the wilderness. So the greedy woman goes into the wilderness and she finds the mystical woman. And she says, I want this, this treasure that you've been giving the other woman. And the mystical woman says, sure. But first, I want to ask you a few questions. What do you think about summer? And the greedy woman's like, I hate summer. I'm so sticky and hot. And what do you love about spring? Oh, I hate it. so much rain. I'm always wet. What do you love about winter? I'm not cold and freezing. You know, what do you love about all the seasons? She just hates all of them. And so she gets a, you know, a jar or a box similar to the poor woman. And she takes it home. And she opens it up. And it's full of snakes. And she gets bitten to death by the snakes. And that's the that story. That seems a little brutal. I like it. <laughs> I tried to tell it as fast as I could so wait, that I wouldn't bore wait. anyone. I'm sorry. Because this woman is somewhat greedy, she deserves death? No, it's because she hated me. everything. She was so negative about all the seasons. She was like, I hate the stickiness of summer or the freezingness of winter or whatever it was. But the virtue of the other woman was that she appreciated and was grateful for every season. Like, she enjoyed her life no matter what the season was. So ever since then, when people are like, what's your favorite season? I'm like, all of them! I'm going to be honest. The only thing I've learned from this story is that if I'm ever in a fairy tale, avoid all magical people. They're (laughs) all terrible. That's usually true. Every single one is (laughs) terrible. Now, the one girl became rich and she lives comfortably now. That's yeah, true. but that was so arbitrary. How do you know you're saying the right thing? How do you know you're not going to go home with She was virtuous and loved all the seasons. Right. The moral of the story is just love everything. It's like Beauty and the Beast, right? <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is about a kid who was 10 years old, op- opened the door to a stranger, didn't let them in the house, and then got <laughs> cursed and had his entire household staff cursed. <laughs> <laughs> he was 10. Magical people are awful. Just don't trust wizards. Yeah. Just don't. Okay, I'll remember that. Or witches or whatever. Thank you for the advice, Luis. So I think we went off on kind of a a, A a tangent, tangent, but I have a question. So Luis, you didn't answer. So we know Stephanie loves all the seasons equally. Uh, What about you? (laughs) Oh, fall by far. Fall. Absolutely, yeah. And that's because? Well, one, it's that wonderful spot between like, it's not so cold you can't like go out and do things. Right, you can still go out and do fun things, but it's like a relaxing temperature. You're not boiling, and it's not so cold that like you're freezing either. Additionally, colorful, especially if you live, uh, you know, northeast or you know, uh, one of the areas where there's, you see a lot of coloration in the foliage. Lovely time. We have Halloween, which is a fun holiday. It apples bloom. I mean, are you can go apple picking, and there's a lot of fun activities. Pumpkin. It's also my birthday around that time, so that's great. That's a personal yeah. little bias there. 
And uh, yeah, it's just that. It's it's just a nice, nice in between. The summer can be a little punishing and winter can also be very punishing. The fall, not so much. I wonder if it's just extremes that really bother most people. Like I think when the seasons change, I love every season when it changes. Like when we're going from summer to fall, I'm like, oh, I love the fall. And then when we go into from fall into winter, oh, I love the winter. You know, each season change, I just love it. Yeah. But when you get into the depth of it it becomes an extreme and you're like, I'm sick of this. I need change. So maybe it's just, is it that we don't want to, we don't want to stay the same? Is it that we love change? Cause that doesn't make sense. Most well, people don't, don't like the, change, right? I mean, uh, so if the change is good, I think people like it. For example, the change over to summer, you don't have to wear as much clothes. Uh, you don't have to carry around a jacket. And you know, that's something that I find valuable in summer um but then you lose the pockets of jackets and things like that but that's like very personal i guess uh, I, opinion <laughs> very specific opinion that's very specific um, i'm not sure that the problem is that is change in, in its own is that the season seasonal change is not quite real change because it's ritualized yeah, you, you know it'll cycle you know, yeah it's a cycle you don't no one's really surprised by the change of seasons unless they were they lived in a place like uh, so many countries in the world where you only really have two seasons. You have the wet season and the dry season and like that's it. But if you live somewhere else, if you move, then you might be surprised by the sea by seeing, you know, spring and autumn and basically the whole range of things. But as it's a ritual, I, I don't know. I think that the main thing that's interesting to me about it is why we go why we take summer off and why what are the things that we do during these times when we're out in the world, why do we? Why is summer synonymous with travel? For example, it's easier to travel in the summer. Of course, it is absolutely easier to travel Packing in the summer. Packing less yeah. clothing, for example. Yeah. You don't need to like traveling through snow is harder than just like there's more being on light. Hot pavement. There's more light in during the day, so you have more time to explore True. without artificial light. Yeah, it can be very lovely to go out in the summer. I personally think that there's two types of holidays I like to go on, but I'd like to hear you guys' opinion on it. Um, what I are like your to, two holidays? Yeah, I, I, I like to have resting holidays and exploring holidays, right? Resting holidays is like if you go on vacation to somewhere that you just want to like relax there, right? You go to the beach, you relax, maybe you do some exploring, but for the most part, you're just there kind of partying or hanging out and reading, playing in the beach, just enjoying being at the place you're at. And then there's exploring holidays where you go to like a place you've never been before and you tour the cities and you learn the history and you eat the cuisine and you meet new people and you're going all over the place. That's a different kind of holiday style, I think. And well, I mean, I guess obviously there's always a stay at home holiday, but that, I wasn't counting that. I like those, the way you differentiated those two. I kind of agree with you. I, I think I prefer the exploring holidays mixed in with some relaxing time because, you know, Usually you can mix them together, like have like the morning be relaxing and the afternoon you can explore the city or wherever you are. Like, for example, when I visited Greece and I went to different islands, I went to uh, Rhodes, um, Mykonos and uh, Santorini. And, you know, we got to go to the beach, relax for a few hours. Then we got to explore the city and eat some food and go dancing or go have fun and 
view the sunsets and things like that. It, it was all kind of mixed between resting and exploration. I feel like my approach is very similar. I might define it slightly differently. What you would describe as the relaxed vacations are the vacations I take to see family, to like be with them and enjoy them. So even if I'm traveling or discovering or whatever, the priority is the family and enjoying time with them. And that's that part. And then the other is usually traveling with a subset of people and it's away from family. Sometimes it's with family, but not with the whole family. Yeah, of course. You know, it's a subset. One example is I went to Africa with a couple people in my family, and that was like the discover adventure kind of holiday. And then the other is I go home for Christmas, and that's the family holiday. And I don't care what we do as long as we're together. So we might do fun things, but that's kind of the backdrop to what the real holiday is about. So that, I feel like it's very similar to the binary system you've set up because the family holidays tend to be more relaxing and the away holidays tend to be more discovery and adventure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that would be it. Like a re- relaxing versus adventure. I got and, a question for you guys. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think that, do you think as we move forward with new technologies, the way we view vacation and relaxing might change? So you talk about exploring. Well, why can't I just put on some VR headset and explore the, the ruins of Egypt and pyramids literally in my living room, you'll be able to explore so many new places so much faster and at a cost that is relatively very low compared to doing the actual thing. Do you know what I mean? So I think this is going to give people, it might not be a vacation, but it's kind of a vacation for the, for the mind. It'll be like an exploratory adventure. So I wonder if VR will ever get to a point where that would be okay for me there's this scene in goodwill hunting i think where the matt damon character has like read all these books and knows all this stuff but then robin williams basically tells the matt damon character you've read all about this but you haven't actually done it or felt it you haven't actually been in the sistine chapel and seen the paintings in person it's very different to experience something And I think of all the pictures I've seen of Egypt, for example, I'm sure it would be just so breathtakingly different to be there. I remember when I first saw the Grand Canyon in person, and it was just totally surprising to me. I had seen pictures of it. I hadn't done virtual reality, but I had at least been prepared. And yet those things just didn't prepare me for the feeling I would have. And the same thing happened with the Sistine Chapel ceiling where I was there. These are all summer adventures, by the way, so (laughs) pretty relevant, I guess. But I was there in the Sistine Chapel thinking, wow, this is so much smaller than I actually realized it was. Because when you see in books and on the internet, the chapel ceiling, it looks very grand. It looks very large because it's so intricate. You'd think it must be large, but it it just seems so small to me. So there's something about being in person somewhere. I I think it's it's one of those things where we're not at a place technologically where you can replicate all the senses. There's two things to it. One, technology just isn't there yet where you can really feel like you're somewhere because yeah, you can see it in 3D and that's nice. And people do. People, I mean, that's available right now. You can put on a 3D uh, goggles and you can explore uh, mountains and things. 
So wait, 3D, 3D is different from virtual reality. That, sorry, that's what I meant. Virtual VR. Okay. Yeah, VR. You can put on VR goggles and you can explore new wonderful locations that you've never been to. But in truth, you don't feel like you're there. You can see it, but there's so many things that are important to really feeling a new place. Because when you're in a new place, it smells different. The air oh. feels different. The, the people, the sounds are different. And this is all such a part of it that we don't currently have the ability to replicate. And then on top of that, there's something special about being able to say, I went there, right? There's something that humans like about having that bragging rights of being able to say, I have been to this location. I have talked to the people there. I have smelled the smells, seen the sights. But I think that I agree with you generally that uh, you can't replicate it. And I'm not saying that VR can do that probably ever. But my point is, given the extremely lower costs and the speed at which you can get to a different place, jump around different places, it's a pretty good emulator. And I think it'll change the way we view tourism in general. VR tourism can really, at an affordable rate, become real because you do feel like you are there, actually. If you, if you get high-quality VR video... You can hear the echoes in the back of you and like the, the sound in front of you, people talking, and you'll be able to look around, move your head around and as if you were there. But, you know, it's still a recorded content. It's not dynamic in that, you know, people that are passing by are complete ran, completely random people. It's going to be recorded and edited for the sake of individual viewers. So, fair. But as for the cost... I think it's an effective way to increase international tourism. No, not even slightly. That's not inter increasing tourism. So, so, I'm sorry. so, I, so I meant increase. Increasing attraction to no, or the number of people who have seen certain sites. I think it would increase awareness. Yeah, I yeah. think it's about awareness. I, yeah. and more people might travel if somebody says, "I've done that with VR. Now I want it was so incredible. I want to go there in person." But with that topic, I think we could go further with this. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, maybe dig more deeply into what is experience and what does VR have to do with tourism. So we'll be right back. Summer is here, everyone, and the temperature is rising. The sun is back this year with a vengeance, though. Protect yourself from its harmful UV rays by hiding in broad daylight. How? Well, our patented PFL invisibility sunscreen lets you hide from the all-seeing, all-knowing sun that has been drowning our Earth with light for millennia. Our new formulation works for over 12 hours, which should be enough to make you completely invisible to anyone and to the sun for most of your waking day. The PFL Invisibility Sunscreen is not waterproof and PFL is not liable for any psychological isolation the user may face because of being invisible for extended periods of time. Buy one today and get a free package of your exclusive Chinese fireworks brought to you by Ray's Fireworks Bar. Welcome back to Positive Feedback Loop. We were just talking about virtual reality and experience. So could we technically take a summer vacation all virtually? Would that work out for us? What do you guys think? I'm, I'm going to stay with no. You could technically look at places, but how is that any different from seeing it on your TV? It just means it's like being surrounded in a room full of TVs, right? You're looking around and you're seeing stuff. But it doesn't mean you're actually feeling it. And also because you're not walking or doing anything, 
And I guess, well, you don't have to walk to be on vacation, but it, it, it lacks the actual authenticity of the experience. So I think it, it does form a better experience than you imagine, uh, Luis. Um, but I agree that it's not going to replace a summer vacation. You can't put your feet in the sand and like, you know, feel the ice cold ocean water. Or... I guess if you if you drop a bucket of sand on your feet, well, still then, then it's not going like, to like... leave the tap running. And, like, you yeah, can but you can't feel the but you can't feel the difference between the you know dry sand and the wet sand and all exactly. the in-betweens you can't like view the shells and rocks that are randomly placed in random places and the potential for you know witnessing a shark attack it just doesn't happen well maybe the shark attack thing if you're watching like a vr jaws or something but the point is um right now no it's not going to replace vr can't replace summer vacations uh, you bring up something that i find interesting and it's the idea of summer being kind of synonymous with the beach and the ocean by extension. Whereas when you think about it throughout history, so much of the population never met, even saw the ocean. The idea that you could just saunter over to the ocean was, is foreign to so many people throughout history, right? It was, if you lived in coastal area, sure. But if you were inland, maybe you saw a lake and like, that was it. Like in your entire life, you heard about this wonderful, like, endless swatter thing that just went on forever and you never saw it. And it was a wonderful experience. If you ever did get to see it, it was mind blowing that all this water existed and that it was salty. What the hell's up with that? I wonder if now, the yeah. same is for people going to Europe. Like there's only a few people who travel internationally from the United States during the summer. Those people, few that actually have enough money and time to do so and maybe that's that has become the new ocean for us and so people when they think of summer think of international travel but that's not really true or accessible for everyone either so it's kind of this what you're saying is you know we think of places as the summer vacation or travel experiences and they become these ideals i mean when i go to any typical store, uh, department store, let's say, and it's summertime, it's always like shirts with sailboats on them and buckets with, you know, sand shovels and sand castles, like these sorts of pictures and, and icons. But how many people actually interface with those objects during the summer? Yeah, absolutely right. Many people take vacations that are inland, you know, many vacations are to go places like new, like Las Vegas, or um, just to visit a country and just look, walk around the streets of the of like main cities, like Paris or something like that. Right? You're not really going to the beach if you're going to Paris. Most likely, you could travel somewhere else in Europe, but for the most part, you're not. So it's interesting that that's the case. And in fact, we've we've got pools for that. Right? Give you the experience of being in the water without actually having to go to the ocean. Does virtual reality then really just make accessible? those places that aren't to certain people like we've been thinking well no one would ever replace the real thing you'd want to go put your feet in the sand but maybe we're thinking of the wrong market maybe vr is for the people who will never be able to make it to europe or maybe just not in the next 10 years and they want to see it and experience it in some way before they can afford it or have the time to or the physical ability to I also think of augmented reality as something 
that could not replace traveling, but actually augment it. Ha ha. I mean, that's the point of augmented reality. Where you could visit the Grand Canyon, put on your AR goggles and see like points in the distance and they could name the towns or the historical battles that happened or whatever it is. It'll enhance the experience and give you more content to um, really experience not just the present moment of this landscape, but also the past that's happened in the historical times. And yeah, I see that. That's a good, good possibility. I, I think one of the interesting things when we talk about VR is that we need to take into account that VR allows for people to provide content that is created by people, right? When you're giving, if you give someone the choice between two holiday destinations, one where you present them with just a picture of what's happening and the place, right? You give them just a 360, you can look around, picture of just like a place. You just put a, plop a camera down, film it and go away. Or you could give them the choice between one where everything is quote unquote perfect, where it's been edited to be better than actually is the situation there, or it's been catered more to the experience of the user. What will they pick? Right, Because you have, at the end of the day, someone who's directing the actual filming of these things, who's editing scenes and can choose to have things happening in the background or choose to avoid things happening in the background. You're giving a very different idea of what a vacation is because vacations are inherently going to have problems because that's life. There's always challenges in everything. And if you give people a sterilized version of that where there are no challenges whatsoever and it's just, here's a perfect idyllic scene. Enjoy it. What will people pick? I also wonder if that experience will be personalized by anyone. So you no longer have these professional creators of the augmented experience or virtual experience, but that someone who, let's say, you know, it's a tour of some town and instead the history of that town, it's like, all the video game developers that lived in the town and where did they live? You know, it could be a completely different overlay depending on who's developing it. So you could democratize the whole development experience. Where are the best ice cream shops or something? The history of, of women in this town. It could be anything. You could even turn it into like a interactive gaming thing, right? Like that's, yeah. that's so possible. I mean... I think about Pokemon Go and stuff. That's kind of already become, it has been a craze. So that's interesting, I think. But in terms of activities for the summer, I actually want to ask you guys, what do you like to do for the summer? When you're going on vacation, if you're going to a destination or you're staying and just with your family and enjoying some time and relaxing, what is it that you actually like to do? And what is something that you've done that you find has been very memorable? So thinking about the vacations I've had when I've seen my extended family members when I traveled to uh, for example Turkey or Europe and was able to explore uh, meet lots of new people lots of new cultures and really for me it's just a nice way to feel small in the world like I don't so my normal daily life becomes less significant which makes me appreciate the world in a different way um and it's fun like it's just new exercises new things to do 
I get to learn about perspectives of people that aren't like me, which is which is a good experience uh, for me. So I, I'm not really much into the whole. I do like the relaxing vacations, but not for too long. You know, I get bored. So for me, many of my summers have been different pursuits. Some of them entrepreneurial, some just experimenting, but a lot of them have been working summers. I worked on a gubernatorial campaign one summer, and then another summer I helped create a library slash archive for a museum that had, hadn't had an archive before and developed their cataloging system. And then another summer I spent performing in South Africa and singing, uh, which was fun and work in many ways. And even a few summers ago, I started my own company, which was full of learning and experience and getting things going and filling out the right papers. <laughs> so summer for me is, has been less about the typical beach experience and more about the time, the break from the normal to do something very experimental. And it's usually been hard work, but very rewarding. So you, you're, you're basically saying that you have had a lot of working summers, not so many just on vacation summers. When was the last time you had like an actual vacation vacation? I'm actually trying to think of when that was. I'm not sure. I think I took the Africa trip was definitely a, it was a vacation. It was still hard work, but it wasn't work. It was a, it was a true adventurous vacation a few years ago that I got to take a few weeks off but I've never had like a full summer since high school, probably, where I just chilled out. Hmm. Do you do you miss having a summer like that? Would you like to have one at any time in the future? I think that I just make myself busy. I'm one of those people that I don't just sit for too long without thinking of a project I'm going to do. Uh, sometimes I'll have a weekend off and I think, yes, finally, I have a weekend where there's nothing that I have to do. And then I end up composing an entire song or something, <laughs> you know, I get I get busy. And I think it's just, I didn't realize this before in myself, but I think I'm, I have much more of an entrepreneurial spirit than I ever realized. And it comes through with the way I spend my time. I think of new projects. Wait, hold on. One thing. You sing? Yeah. I do sing. Give us a give us a tune real quick. Da 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 da. Just kidding. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> That's Stephanie's beautiful voice. <laughs> You're right. We should do voiceover. Like I should mouth, and like Luis would should just sing, and that would be hilarious. Not in a podcast. Maybe like a bonus <laughs> bonus video for PFL. Yeah. <laughs> we each do each other's voices. Just just a conversation. Not even singing. It just becomes a conversation. Where, I, where I'm talking for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should do yeah. that. It'll be very confusing, though. Yeah. <laughs> to us. <laughs> It'll be confusing yeah. to us. Well, I mean, even with a podcast, you don't get to see the people's faces, so it doesn't, doesn't even appoint you to your voice. Right. For audiences, more than confusing. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, almost. <laughs> I was going to ask, Luis, how do you, what's your most memorable summer? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I have a fairly good mix of both types of summers. I've enjoyed just being at the beach and relaxing and spending it with family and friends. But I also enjoyed, you know, I like history, so I like 
going to places that have long histories and checking them out and seeing places, especially like stuff like castles and stuff like that. I always find that great because then I can think about, oh, this is this is what would have been happening in this place. I can imagine where how people lived and where they lived, and I could kind of see it a little bit more than just reading about it. So I don't know. I don't really have one that I would say is stands out above the rest, at least not that I can think of right now. One thing our listeners know about us, I think, because we've mentioned inklings of it in previous episodes, is that we all just finished the MBA. And so we've all finally finished grad school. So we've come out of careers that have lasted various amounts of time, depending on the person. So a lot of work and maybe some summer vacationing that was brief, maybe a week, two weeks maximum. And then we went into grad school where it's just go, 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 and then you're supposed to have a summer internship. And then go, go, go again for another year. And then we, so we end this grad school experience and finally have somewhat of a break that could potentially be ours. Although some of our classmates have chosen to jump right back into work. Do you know what I think would be interesting? I would like to know, now that you have more time and you have the ability to fathom other opportunities, if you had the choice to go on vacation outside of the of earth would you do it what would you would you go on vacation now knowing that it's much more dangerous to go for example to mars or just exiting the planet heck just being in space is that something that you would like to do as an exploring vacation i mean you can go into space at least outside the stratosphere and just experience zero gravity gravity. and then just come back For me, I don't know if that's a vacation, I mean, maybe time-wise, but it's more of just an experience, like skydiving, or a roller coaster, or watching a movie, or listening to a song or a podcast. It's kind of just like an experience, albeit a very expensive experience, probably, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I would do it. Yeah, and how about you, Steph? I would not see that as fun. I think people like the, the one moment or the couple moments of like seeing and experiencing once you get to a certain point, but let's say you're going to Mars, then you have to spend basically surrounded by the blackness of space, like a couple years on this ship doing something else and limited to the ship until you get to whatever you're experiencing. So I think that some people would like what may be delivered by the virtual reality experience. Some of the traveling, some of the seeing of planets passing by or in front of you, but Months of being on a ship, meh, plenty of that. time to record new podcasts. True. Know, <laughs> I mean, you we, we don't have to go all the way to Mars to be in space, right? You could go to the International Space Station. You could just hang out there for a bit. Or if one day humanity does manage to build a space elevator, maybe you could just take it up for a ride and see space. I don't that's know. It's scary. It feels to me like that's the new ocean. The new thing that most people don't have the chance to see. And when you see it, it's like, wow, that's a lot of nothing. A lot of other. So it sounds like you would go. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, at least just to see it. I probably wouldn't go to Mars because, like you said, the commitment would be very significant. But if I had the chance to just get in a space elevator and go up to see space, heck yeah, I'd do it. How much would you pay for that? Oh, that's a very different story, different question. I did not ask, would you be able to afford it? Because I won't. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, like, how would you price something like that? Is it just to cover the costs? Or would it, well, like, 
depends. I mean, let's say you do a space elevator, it's probably much cheaper than actually taking a rocket. I don't know. Space is elevators it? are supposed, at least the idea is that they would be, you they, You wouldn't need to have the propulsion of a rocket to actually make it from one end to the other. It would all be in the construction that the main expense would be, which would, it would be very expensive. And we don't have the technology right now to actually do it because we don't have the right materials. But it would allow for very inexpensive transfer of goods and items and personnel from Earth to space. So that would probably be fairly manageable for a lot of people go ahead i was just thinking the tallest buildings in the world i mean how close are they not very one-tenth of the way there oh not even close i would say like think about a, a plane one hundred think about how how high up a plane is compared to the empire State yeah i know building. yeah you're right yeah, so it's, like it's, one one thousandth like what's the I, I, I don't have a number. I don't want to say a number out bef- without knowing. I bet but, we could calculate it, though. There could be some math involved. Yeah, like, sure, yeah, sure. How uh, fast I, does it take an, a normal elevator to go five floors or 20 yeah, yeah, floors? And then say, how many floors height is it to wherever you want to go to get to space? Uh, the International Space Station is 249 miles in sp- up in space. 249 miles, okay. Yeah, so that, that would be... Pretty significant uh, difference between that and, say, the Empire State Building. The Empire State Building is about a about a quarter of a mile. Lots of Empire State Buildings to create that, that elevator. That's ridiculous. I don't even know if that's possible. A space elevator or an Empire State Building? Uh, a space elevator. Oh, a space elevator would be possible. The, in, the middle section would be much thinner than, say, a building. But that's a different story. So we've gone from... Summer on the beach to summer at the space station. <laughs> I think we've run the entire gamut of, of where summer vacation can be. And I think that's a great place for us to wrap up and close up this beautiful episode on the season of summer. Thank you to our listeners who joined us. Please follow us on Twitter at the PFL Podcast. Uh, we'll be blogging about this, including links to different interesting things we've talked about on our blog at pflpodcast.com. So thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Until then, stay crazy. Stay Stay crazy. crazy.